We're beginning a new study today that's going to go through the fall, and it has the title, The Gospel And. Starting next week, there will be community groups. You could get be a part of one where we'll be discussing what we're learning here. It's Monday, September 18th. What is the core teaching of the Christian faith? On what belief, what teaching does the faith hang? That if you take it away, there really is no basis for the church. I'm going to, I'm going to give the answer away. Of course, it's the gospel. In this pre-week for our message series and community groups, we look at how the gospel impacts everything in our lives. As we say, the gospel is not the appetizer to the Christian life. It is the substance of what we have in Christ, and therefore it applies to every arena of life. It's the air we must breathe or we'll suffocate on the law. Now, last week, we began to look at this as we considered the love of God. And going forward, we've got a lot of work to do to internalize the gospel. That is to get into our hearts what we have in our heads. And that's the hope for this study, that the gospel will be driven deeper and deeper into our lives until we will see ourselves and God in no other way. Now, here's our text for today, Galatians chapter 1, verse 1 to 5. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me to the churches in Galatia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of God, our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, these words are the introduction to, in Paul's letter to a group of churches in Asia Minor that he helped to get started. The mission of Paul took him across the world of the Mediterranean, the Roman Empire, controlled life there, and Paul, though Jewish, was born in a Roman city, but he was Jewish through and through. To call himself an apostle is to refer to an amazing story, one in which he was the most committed of Jewish young men. He was zealous for the law of God and outstripped everyone in faithfulness to the Jewish law. He was an overachiever, to say the least, but he was also very troubled. He was not one of the 12 original apostles. Actually, he was a part of the militant Jewish opposition fighting the new and fledgling group of Christians. He, of all people, hated the Christians because they called into question all that he had lived for. Have you ever noticed that anger can work that way? We end up hating people whose lives threaten the basis of our own lives. And Paul lived that out even if that meant assisting in the killing of believers. But Jesus intervened while Paul was on a journey to a city to hunt down Christians. Paul met Jesus, and he was never the same. For many of us, that's our story. We spent a lifetime building a record, hustling for success and status. How are we going to admit that that isn't the ticket, that we need a Savior? This is a big leap for people who feel like they've lived a pretty good life. They've been pretty good people. And that's one of our chief problems with grace. 
We don't feel like we need it. But the truth is, all you need is need. But some people don't have that. So grace seems unnecessary, unwelcome, like a healthy person needing a crutch, like a fish needing a bicycle. Where we live is basically a meritocracy. I didn't come up with that word. A British sociologist named Michael Young used the term pejoratively in his book entitled The Rise of the Meritocracy. Merit is defined as influence plus effort. The emphasis is clearly on effort. He spoke of a dystopian society driven entirely by merit. The Jewish faith of Paul's time was almost completely driven by works. The signs of your merit that opened up a world of status among the religious elite of Palestine at the time. Of course, our merit system is different, although it works in much the same way. But it's wearing us down and wearing us out. Writer Jennifer Wallace recognized this as she came across fascinating studies about the latest at-risk group among our youth. No, the group was not from poor neighborhoods or among recent immigrants, but from some of the wealthiest and best-educated American families. This group, she discovered, is two to six times more likely to deal with depression, anxiety, and substance abuse. They attend the nation's best schools, but they carry, on, carry an immense burden to succeed, and the pressure can be extremely damaging to them. Many of these schools give the students three to five hours of homework every day. Yes, they can hardly catch, keep up, and they hardly have time to sleep. The push to excel leads to an overfunctioning that creates distress for this group, all because they have to get into the best schools, land the best jobs, and be the most successful. Their parents have put them on a treadmill that never seems to stop. And why would they do this? Well, this is the way parents see themselves. Now, this is where we need to step back and understand the gospel. It has nothing to do with doing. It, is, it has all to do with what Jesus has done. And that's what Paul discovered and why he expressed the gospel this simply. He said about it, The gospel is that the Lord Jesus Christ gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. That's Galatians 1, 4-5. You see, the gospel talks about God's rescuing us from the tyranny of a life that we have to prop up and keep going, one that seems to completely depend on us. And that's the good news. It doesn't. Jesus has come to the rescue. That's where we begin. Let's pray. Faithful and loving God, you know the trap we've created for ourselves and our lives. We can be so engaged that our lives become unmanageable. We need you to bring us to safety, to help us rest and enable us to thrive. Show us, we pray, how to live by faith in you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.